I just tried to press record on my mic and not on oh, my computer. That, that doesn't, doesn't really work. <laughs> Go! Sorry, I had to do it. Sorry. Wait, so did we? Did you actually start no, recording? No, no. Do we need to I start over? No, I just said go because I hadn't said okay. it in its tradition. So we're good? Yeah, we're good. We can start now? Hi, listener. Yeah. We can start? Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Sounds good. How are you, Erin? <laughs> that that exchange symbolizes my brain. How are you? Um, oh, interesting. Good. Good, good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... We are. I feel like we're in a we're in a silly goofy mood right now. I don't silly goosey mood. <laughs> silly goosey. Um, yeah. And how how are you, listeners? Let us know how, how are you, you are. How are you? Dial in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Call us right now. <laughs> just just press one on your phone if you're good. <laughs> that press... reminds me. Of a in um and just like that the Sex and the City reboot so like Uh Carrie's like recording a podcast and like two people call in Uh (laughs) while she's recording the podcast like that is not how podcasts work what are they that that made me laugh yeah (laughs) that's so funny oh my goodness what a show that that whole thing I didn't even finish it I was like what is this. What are they doing? Yeah. This feels really out of touch well, after, and uncomfortable. After the Peloton killed Mr. Big, <laughs> I was like, uh, what's... <laughs> what, what's happening? I don't... Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. So, Erin, yeah. what have you been watching lately? <gasps> My favorite question? Um, Your fave. Well... So there's two categories. There's what mm. I've been watching to enjoy and what I've been watching like to like like bad stuff that just calms me down. So I've been obsessed with Shark Tank lately. As soon as I get home, I have to turn on Shark Tank um, because the ego in the room mixed with like these bizarre choices, like whoever chooses who comes on that show must have just the best job in Hollywood because (laughs) they're always like bonkers like the weird there was like one guy who would draw a cat for you and it was just called let me draw a cat for you but he's like not really an artist it's just kind of like I mean what is art what was his plan to like mass distribute this service (laughs) the the mail was really bad and they and they uh they they gave him the money and then he the business ran successfully for like five years out what? of like Massachusetts or something. Why did how did he convince them to give him to give him the money? I've n- I, I still don't get it. Yeah. So I'll draw you a cat. That's the whimsy of of Shark. What did Tank. he need the money for? Like, didn't he already have like see that's the other concern is yeah he has and he only ever used like one marker it was literally like using a marker on a like a piece of copier paper and just drawing like a like a badly drawn cat and it wasn't even colored in or anything and so he had all his materials no no (laughs) it was just like like if i asked you to draw a cat right now it'd probably Uh be better than what this guy came up with Hmm. anyway so I love Shark Tank. Um, 
And I've been watching that to kind of de-stress and whatever. Um, I've also, there's a Netflix sketch show called I Think You Should Leave. No. That is that kind of in this, it's kind of in the same thought process as like a Portlandia sketch. Okay. Um, keep yeah, talking, like, keep talking. Each, um, each episode has a title of like an awkward thing that people say. Like one of them was... I bought that from a store. I'm glad you liked it. Or just like <laughs> like kind of ridiculous <laughs> interchanges that we have with each other. Or like um, things that have become customary to say, but are just kind of, if you think about it, feel kind of silly. Um, it's really funny. And then, oh, there's also, I need to get the name right. One second. <laughs> there's also Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which is an oh. anime about... Uh, people in like space war nice um, but not star wars not, but not a space fight <laughs> not a not quite not yeah it's a space fight really good though or a war of stars you're yeah, telling me those similar. stars fought in a war <laughs> are you telling me <laughs> multiple so was... multiple wars because like plural plural wars, sure um yeah. of, those, of that star so that's that star <laughs> is it just one star do you think that has multiple wars hmm. asking the big questions tonight <laughs> let's call george know. lucas um <laughs> yeah let's get him on the phone get have him, him dial one he's not in. even involved with star wars anymore but we're gonna ask him get <laughs> him on the phone what are you watching what am i watching enjoying? um let's see what i um I watched Falling for Christmas, the Lindsay Lohan uh-huh. Netflix Christmas movie, and it was, was everything it? that we hoped that it would Good. be. Um, Good. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it disappointingly did not have a very, like, strong connection with the rest of the oh. Netflix holiday cinematic universe. So, like... There's no mention of, like, Vanessa Hudgens or Aldovia, like, at all. I was like, mm, was, I'm not... There were no, like, acorns? There were no acorns. The The only connection was that at one point there's a TV that's playing the, like, intro screen for another Netflix Christmas movie that's okay. also very loosely connected to the Hudgens universe. <laughs> okay. So it was like, uh, eh, I feel like they're they're getting farther and farther. Like they're they're expanding. Yeah. They're expanding this universe farther and farther out. So there's gonna be, you know, it's kind of like like how people are complaining about phase four of the MCU and how it feels really disconnected. I feel like that's what's also happening in the Netflix cinematic sure. universe is that you know sure. there's just too many different storylines going on right now and there's not that much connectivity which you know is fine like as the universe expands that that's what you would expect and like you yeah. know like there's kind of different things there's something for everyone kind of yeah so you know but but as you're telling me this i'm kind of sitting with some disappointment though like yeah couldn't they have i mean What's Vanessa doing? Come on. What is she doing? But there's one, there's another one that came out 
either today or yesterday that I haven't watched yet. The one with Buffy's husband. Oh. That I have not watched yet. So. Freddie Prince Jr.? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who um, also is involved with the Wars of Star. So. Ah, that's, you know, I, I think that's going I to be. This is going to be your connection to the Star Wars universe, to the Marvel universe. He's involved with the Wars of Star? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, in um, Rebels. Star Wars Rebels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good for um, you, Freddie Prince. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> this is like years ago, but... Um, so... Oh. <laughs> Yes. Oh, but what else? So, a movie that just came out today that I did watch this morning, Disenchanted. Ah, yes. How was that? Um, I liked it. I okay. I have more thoughts on it that I love uh-huh. to discuss when we're not at risk of, like, spoilers. Sure, sure. But yeah, I enjoyed it. For what it was, I thought it was it was cute. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had, like, Edina Menzel came back and had, like, I think a larger and, and like, uh, a larger and, like, more in-depth role oh, in fun. this installment okay. than she did in the first movie, which I really okay. enjoyed. And James Marsden came back and was hilarious. And Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I liked it. Maya Rudolph is in it. So, oh, you know. oh wow! And uh, Yvette Nicole Brown. Oh wow! And, yeah, so like really fun cast. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely worth watching, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's and good. I am, that's... I am unfortunately still rewatching Game of Thrones. I wanted to check. That should just be a whole other segment. That should be a whole How other segment. How is that going? Should we start another podcast that's like a Game of Thrones rewatch? Oh my god! Should we do that? I feel like there's already so many of those, but ours would be But the ours one. would be better. Should we, I think we should do that. What would we... Well, okay, but we have to think of like a, a snappy title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really bad at titles. We're really bad at no. What if we just call it Aaron and Rhonda rewatch Game of Thrones? (laughs) Okay, I really like that. (laughs) I do too. Okay, let's do it. Okay, okay. Let's start it in like January though. Like, give us some time. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, are we doing this thing? Chill. Yeah, I would. Are we doing this thing? (laughs) I would do that. Okay, let's do it. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yes. That concludes what I've been watching. When when our when our producer Nicole was here, we were also rewatching Boy Meets World, and we were belly laughing. Yeah. That show is <laughs> like I think it's so nostalgic, but it like was making me cackle. Oh my gosh! Mm. Specifically, the older brother Eric. I just think he's really funny. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's what we've been watching. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Um, the finale of Andor comes out next week but i need i need to catch up i'm like three episodes behind so yeah i gotta catch up on that yeah but andor is really good i've heard really good things about it have you know that's what we've been watching (laughs) that's what we've been watching lately (laughs) 
We'll work on that. Love it. Be- <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll workshop it. <laughs> we'll workshop it. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, um, we yeah. are in part two. Part new. Yeah. Of a three-part series on... Three-parter. Should we say it together? In three, oh, yeah, let's... two, okay. one... The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. In the window. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I just rewatched the first episode before, like, right before we started, like, yeah. while I was eating my dinner. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it just gets better every time. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's really good it's really good it's it's so funny yeah i you know i hadn't had i i touched on this last time and i won't go into too much detail but i hadn't had a show in a while that i had to watch the whole thing like immediately Uh you know like i hadn't had that in a while and it was fun with this yeah yeah so (sighs) i so it's interesting. So like it's it's clearly a parody, which is yeah. like what kind of what I want to like talk about this week. Um, yeah. So I think it's really interesting. So like, I. So I think that at least like kind of my viewing of it is that it starts off as like kind of simple surface level parody but eventually kind of evolves into more of a social satire by the end. Sure. So, and it's also pastiche. Like, I want to, I think it yeah. it kind of walks a thin line between parody and pastiche. So, okay. yeah. So I want to kind of dive in, um, but we probably also need to like define some terms here. So like satire versus parody versus pastiche. So, um, so basically like parody and pastiche, um, are very, very similar, but they have, uh, usually have a different purpose and then parody and satire can overlap, but they're not synonymous. So parody, I think, is the simplest, um, kind of the simplest one of these, of these terms. So a parody is just any work that mimics a style, um, like of a particular artist or a genre or even like a specific work to, to be humorous. So it's, um... So most of the time, it's kind of poking fun at the work that it's that it's mimicking. Um, so it relies on like exaggerating, um, like exaggeration to really kind of drive the point home. So like we definitely see this in the woman in the house, um, like that scene that I mentioned last week, where you see like the giant bowl of wine corks that she yeah. <laughs> pulled off of her wine bottles. So like that's clearly exaggerated for yeah. humor. 
So the primary aim of parody is just to to amuse or to entertain by by mimicking and exaggerating something that the audience recognizes. Um, and right. beyond that, there really, there usually isn't like a deeper motive to parody. It's okay. really just kind of a surface level observation. Um, but once we start getting into deeper motivations, that's when it kind of morphs into satire. So there can be kind of fluidity between parody and satire. So satire uses humor. Satire can use parody, but it might not use parody. It might just use other types of humor um, to um, like point out flaws in human behavior or in society. So, um, so basically anyone who, um, who writes satire, they're, they're intending to either ridicule or just kind of point out and expose, um, like vices or like societal problems or like irony in, in societal issues, um, so, like, notions of human frailty, indecency, or um, just general um, unsavory qualities found in, in human beings um, yeah. are kind of juxtaposed. So, um, so it's often, like, in conjunction with, like, the societal issues or political commentary. Like, political cartoons are a great example of satire. Um, right. So it's kind of prov- provoking the audience to really think about the issues that it's highlighting and to kind of challenge the audience's attitudes, challenge our thinking about the issues that it's portraying. Um, and satire um, also, like, I think typically uses humor, but it might not. Um, it, right. It might be... Um, more of like a metaphorical commentary that's not intended to be humorous, but just intended to point out these issues. Um, And then like kind of the broader sense of social satire, of course, focuses on society itself, um, which can include current events, political events, um, kind of broader cultural attitudes about things. Um, Yeah. And this, like satire is like a very it's a very old form of expression like the ancient greeks and romans used it um it's it's used um yes it's very very popular in in pop culture and in entertainment so um and then lastly the last term we want to define here is a pastiche so pastiche like i mentioned is very similar to parody in that it's imitating a certain author or genre or work but a pastiche is not intended to like mock um the other work it's more intended as like a celebration or paying respect to it okay yeah so pastiche isn't making fun of whatever work or genre it's mimicking, 
Um, but pastiche often is humorous. Um, right. To use like uh, <laughs> to use like a really niche nerdy example that I'm familiar with. Um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I will read um, like Jane Austen continuations or spinoff novels. Yeah, that are trying to emulate like the tone and writing style of Jane Austen, but it's like kind of a different story within her world. Um, or, you know, it's like a sequel to one of her stories. Yeah. And so the author will kind of try to um, emulate her tone and her writing style. So the, you know, to varying degrees of success. Um, <laughs> so sure. that would be sure. a great, that would be an example of pastiche. Um, there's, uh, actually quite a few um, TV shows that use pastiche in like one episode or like just here and there. So like, yeah, um, like 30 Rock, of course, used like pastiche in like, in, um, you know, like in certain episodes where like were the ones where like they're doing like the Olympics or they... <laughs> Um, like clips of like the reality shows that they show, yeah. Like those are definitely pastiche, um, because they're like they're coming from a place of like it's not parody because it's not, um, it's not truly like pointing out flaws in these forms. It's like celebrating those those forms of of entertainment. Sure. Um, so to break down some more examples, so <laughs> to go back to Jane Austen, um, so Jane Austen herself actually wrote satire. Um, like her novels are all like very subtle social satire, um, except yeah. Northanger Abbey, which is actually a parody, which I will okay. talk more about that next time. Um, <laughs> Love it. And then um, like what everybody had to read in like 10th grade, Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal. <laughs> so sure, that is sure. social satire that uses, that uses like grandiose exaggeration to drive home um, his point about the societal issues that he's commenting on. Um, uh, <laughs> I think a prominent examples of parody would be like scary movie and like, Oh, yeah. The other movies in that, like, franchise. Yeah. Um, other shows that use pastiche. Um, the Simpsons, Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Um, the, the episode of Bob's Burgers that I talked about, um, with the, um, the Gale Tales. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's three different types of pastiche in, um, in that episode. Um, and then there's things, so, like, I think Not Another Teen Movie is a movie that we don't talk about enough, because I would argue that that movie is both parody and satire, because it's commenting on, like, broader societal issues rather than just kind of making fun of teen movies, right? Sure, yeah. And then I would also say that The Woman in the House is... Um, is both parody and satire and at times is also pastiche. Um, Cause like we mentioned, I think we talked about this last week that like 
yes, like it's making fun of the conventions of this genre, but it also genuinely leans into them. So yeah, like I would say that it kind of walks that walks that thin line between parody and pastiche. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any? I real any thoughts on that? What? Yeah, I really liked your examples. I think that The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers are such good examples of pastiche because they're loving, right? Like mm-hmm. it's all like every most of the things that Bob's Burgers does is from that like like in reverence towards or in like yeah. honor of. And you see that a lot on The Simpsons too when they do their throw-ups too. Uh yeah. Different different kind of revered um or iconic yeah figures. Uh, like yeah. it's very clear in the gale tales it's very clear that whoever wrote that episode like has at least a fondness for game of thrones yeah. and for jane austen and for like run-of-the-mill musical biopics <laughs> right yeah and i think I think you could also, for Bob's Burgers, it's almost like a loving look at childhood in itself while also kind of poking fun at it or like, um, yeah, I don't know. I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also what makes the woman in the house work so well is that yeah. there, there, it's not, it's not biting or it's mm-hmm. not like acidic satire you know it's kind of yeah that's a good way of putting it like it definitely is poking fun at the tropes of this genre but it does so in a way that you feel like it's yeah like it's not it's not mean-spirited it's not right Yeah. yeah um so to dive into the woman in the house and its use of parody a little more in depth. So <laughs> I um I read a lot of reviews of it when it first yeah. came out just to kind of like help myself like process like everything that I was feeling and and thinking and um kind of help me articulate like my own thoughts about like how, you know, like how it uses parody, how it uses satire, yeah. what works, what, you know, like, I think there's a few things that actually don't work very well, but like yeah. overall, you know, looking at like what works and what makes this a really effective um, parody. So um, there was one particular review from Slate that I like loved, like, everything that this author said. Um, so yeah. that one helped me a lot. So I actually have like a few passages from that review that I'll kind of refer to here. Um, so I, so this review also mentions like movie satires, like scary movie. Um, and it yeah. also mentions airplane, which is like super oh. old school, <laughs> um, like very broad, uh, parody right yeah um like i think some of the gags in the woman in the house like definitely you definitely see that like kind of airplane um yeah. like mel brooks kind of uh sensibility Very much yeah. yeah but 
it it's it does it more subtly than that like it it almost kind of like folds them it folds in the cheese <laughs> it folds in the cheese absolutely like it it gives you this gag but rather than like you know rather than like zeroing in and like making the camera zoom in on the gag it just kind of leaves it there for you to notice right and i actually really love that about that um the writer of this review um did doesn't seem to like that about it like it okay like they seem to think that it's too subtle about the gags but anyway um (laughs) but i do like um what uh what this reviewer says um about like Anna who's Kristen Bell's character um like kind of her um her interest in the genre of of uh like literature that the show is spoofing because that kind of helps like tie together um, these different threads. Um, and so yeah. they, so it says throughout the series, Anna browses through novels whose plots resemble the story she's trapped inside. Each one with a title that obliquely references an actual best-selling book. Um, the people responsible for the show for better and for worse, know their domestic thrillers inside out. <laughs> yeah. And so then we have like, a really basic summary of like the plot template that all of these books use. So noting that it started with um, that, like this genre really kicked off with Paula Hawkins, 2015 novel, the girl on the train, which sure. Did you read that? It's on my bookshelf. Oh, but I haven't nice. read it. I read it like when it first came out and I didn't realize at the time that it was like, a huge blockbuster like I just picked it up sure. you know, at a bookstore yeah. and was like whatever and I really liked yeah. it and then like in the ensuing years when more of these books came out I was like wait a minute <laughs> wait a second wait a second here because <laughs> like I tried a couple of 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 the books that kind of came out in the wake of its popularity and wasn't really into them um yeah. so I, I was like interesting anyway um (laughs) yeah um so right so the slate review um kind of breaks down like the plot formula that all of these books use so it says um in the classic premise an isolated middle-class woman almost always white who feels that her life has been broken, spends too much time voyeurizing people with apparently perfect lives. But one day, as she watches, she witnesses a woman murdered. When she tries to report this crime to various authority figures, ranging from the police to her therapist, no one believes her because she drinks too much, takes mood-stabilizing medication, and has a history of mental instability. Eventually, she even comes to doubt herself, but in the end... After several twists, she is proven right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, that's the plot. Um, <laughs> so, um, like, that's literally, like, <laughs> every single one of these books. Right. It's so interesting <laughs> to have it point by point by point by point. Yeah. And then, like, that happens in all of them. That happens that's in great. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this article is great because it, it, it mentions that like this, um, 
you know, this plot, like several of the points within this plot speak to um, a lot of like the common anxieties and the common worries of middle class women, um, right. particularly white middle class women, which of course is the the target audience of these books. Um, so like from the obsession with like surface level appearances of domestic perfection um, and with, you know, like dark secrets that are hiding yeah. behind these like perfect facades um, to, and I like that it points this out too, um, frustration at not being believed when you try to expose those secrets like yeah all women can relate to that right yeah um so it mentions that um the woman in the house um like this so it talks about like how it felt like the jokes were too subtle um so like there's the gradual revelation that like every problem every catastrophe that anna has gone through is actually her husband's fault um but like no one comments on that no one blames him for that um yeah (laughs) which is like so like it's that's so real right (laughs) like so real yeah like men cause a lot of problems for women that they take no blame for um, they're just like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I think that's the point at which it does kind of morph into satire at the end is like, not just that point where you realize that her husband actually caused all of her problems, but like the other things about like, I think like what she does like with Instagram, like with social media, I think there's a whole kind of social commentary conversation there with like, yeah, you know, presenting, um, not just presenting like a perfect facade in real life, but also online. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like kind of as like a coda, um, on, on those ideas, Um, I had a couple of movie recommendations that I think kind of touch on similar anxieties and, um, and social issues, um, especially with regards to social media. Um, so have you seen Ingrid Goes West? Oh, I want to with, um, Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen and, um, Ice Cube Jr. (laughs) Oh my gosh. O'Shea Jackson Jr. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it, it definitely um, plays on like similar um, like anxieties and insecurities that are very common um, to a lot of like particularly middle-class white women. um, Yeah. And kind of, kind of exposes like the hypocrisy inherent in in um in those kind of like social anxieties too um which is really interesting and then the other movie that i feel like kind of picks up where ingrid goes west left off is not okay which is like a fairly recent um movie on hulu (gasps) yes i remember the trailers to that i really it made me like 
cringe. Yeah. Oh my god, just the trailer. It's very yeah. cringy. It's very yeah. frustrating, but also yeah. like I think really poignant in what it has Absolutely. to say. Yeah. <coughs> so those are my recs. Go watch those movies. You okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to just have a cough fest. I yeah. Know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So and also I would I would say that both of those movies are satire. Um, but not really parody. Okay. Sure. If that helps at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about not okay. Yeah, that yeah. was one of those things where I saw the trailer and I like couldn't look away. It was like yeah. what Oh man. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. That's good. And Ooh. I think I think one of as as we're kind of thinking about woman in the house um one of my favorite things is kind of how it builds momentum. I think like as you're watching it like I think in that first episode like you're not really sure what it's going to turn into. I yeah. think that's part of the reason that I kept watching yeah. like most of it when in think, one day is that um, I was yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, is that I just wasn't sure like what genre even is this, you know? Right. And that's one of the things that that slate review that I talked about mentioned is that like a lot of people didn't realize from the trailer that it was a parody. <laughs> Right. Until they started watching it and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what's that? Yeah. And, well, I think... and also, like, I don't know how you could how you could read that title and not realize it was a parody. Of but anyway. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, and there, I think it's it's just fun how much it kind of snowballs. Like, I didn't expect it to get as almost campy as it does when yeah. like you're seeing some of the bodies or uh -huh. like when you're um and it it reminded me it almost felt like a loving send-off to some of the plots from like our earliest thrillers mm -hmm. some of those like early early black and white thrillers where the plot is bananas <laughs> and if you're like if you're taking note of what's actually happening and what like the major points of the plot are, you can wind up with a notebook full of nonsense. <laughs> I feel like, um, and so That's like all of my journals, we, they're just notebooks I mean, full of nonsense. <laughs> notebooks full of nonsense. Trademark that. <laughs> um, but it, as I watched, like, kind of the snowball effect that happens in this, um, in this show, as you get, as you meet the characters and you're not really sure what the show is going to be, and then all of a sudden it's like, like super, there are moments that are like super, as I mentioned, super almost campy, and they're like, I think a few of those final episodes you're really left wondering, well, what's really happening? Um, mm -hmm. Made me think of some of my favorite pieces of mystery science theater and some of those like older thrillers, thrillers, which were done at least partially in earnest. I think 
they were pretty excited about what they were doing. And I think there was probably also a notion of, oh, this is also ridiculous, but it was kind of sometimes serious as well. So I wanted to like look at a few of those. Um, have you ever seen any mystery science theater? Oh, yeah, for sure. Any like moments that pop out or like um, especially no. absurd? No, it's all. So what's funny is that like I have always like I enjoy mystery science theater, but I have always felt that I could be so much funnier than the people on mystery sure. science theater. Sure, I'm like what are I could make a better joke out yeah. of that out of that moment than they just did. <laughs> I think there I've I've definitely had the same thought. I think there are some that are like genius and then there's a great many that you're kind of more watching to like comment to your friends like and try <laughs> and come up with the funnier one. Um yeah. But I wanted to kind of take a look at these early black and white thrillers. As comedy instead of as uh-huh. thriller, yeah. um, just because I think they're kind of fascinating. Um, and so I had some notes in here um, that I'm not as excited about as I look at them, but there's Aww. one um, from 1940. There's a film called The Devil Bat that <laughs> I would amazing. like to turn your ear to tonight. <laughs> um to quote SNL, this movie has everything, and it really does. Um, Stefan, <laughs> exactly. Thank this you. I can think of his name. This Benedict movie has everything: aftershave, <laughs> bats. <laughs> that was th- That was brilliant. Um, <laughs> I just read the words that are highlighted in blue for that one. <laughs> I love it. That it was a go see aftershave and bats. I'm there. Those, I mean, it's and I think bats. that does a really good job of like proving what I'm trying to say about these first um, uh-huh. black and white thrillers. Is so, um, we have a mad scientist who is working in the lab late one night. As I was as working the in the goes. lab late one late night. Late one night. <laughs> and he creates... wait, is the song Monster Mash based on this movie? Oh, goodness. (laughs) No, I feel like it's probably more based on, like, Frankenstein, because that's a far more (laughs) well-known story. Sure. Yeah, this is now public domain. Right. But, you know, there are elements there. So, like... There are elephants there? Yes, there's many (laughs) elephants. Um, Elephants? But there are bats. So... Bella Lugosi is playing a mad scientist who is creating a deadly serum that is deadly because it draws bats to your body and makes them want to kill you. Oh. So within the first... Wait, isn't that how the coronavirus started? It's because a bat bat bit someone. (laughs) The devil bat predicted it all, friends. (laughs) Oh no. Um So there's this serum that is made from like it's like an aftershave like he sells it to people as an aftershave in hopes that bats will come and murder them. Oh and I highlight what, what's this. his motivation? That's part of the bonkers my that's part of what makes this 
a prime example of these types of movies that I'm like highlighting is that um, there there is no motivation for this. <laughs> or if there if there is, it's very much like, of course I want to do this. Like it's just it's not really thought out. So that's one of my favorite pieces about these kinds of movies is that they're like there's nothing really causing things to happen. And then it's as if, and I'm sure that this is maybe part of what happened, is that there's now these kind of new technologies to make films in different ways and to tell stories in different ways. And so people just said, let's just have at it. Because mm. like what they're doing with um, the special effects, what they're doing with the props, it's all like... 1000 degrees to the wall just like out there so like if you look up the devil bat listener it's like a Which gigantic way right <laughs> it's like this gigantic it looks like paper mache or even just like a box covered with crepe paper that's been put on like a ho like a hoister line and just literally thrown at actors yeah. so every time the bat like attacks them it's just like they're getting a box kind of like peter pan thrown to them um <laughs> and it like hits them like a like a middle school production of peter pan gone wrong like it's just it's it's so great that they were like, but bats, though, like, it's got to be bats attacking people. And like, the bat is the size of, like, a human torso. Like, it's just bonkers. And then the second part that I really, really love is that um, they're all they like wind up in this haunted house with them, like, trying desperately to save each other from the bats but then Bella Lugosi shows up and like starts killing all of them and the dialogue kind of starts to be non-existent it starts to almost feel like a silent film as he like shows up and like you see him in the background and he's like oh no he's gonna put the aftershave somewhere and then like another scene <laughs> later you get like someone's wandering around a courtyard or like out in nature somewhere and the bat just like flies at them because they've used the aftershave. Like it's, <laughs> it's just like bonkers. Um, and another favorite part for me for the that we don't see in Woman in the House, um, but I just feel like is a really important piece is that all these sets look like they're the Small World ride, or they <laughs> look like they're like a classic theme park ride. Um, so. There's all these people trying to be saved by avoiding the bats or like discovering why bats are attacking them somehow. Um, and in like the last scene of the entire thing, one of the characters dumps a sample of the aftershave <laughs> on another character, leading the bat to attack and kill like this really prominent person. And then like, the last surviving of the last surviving, like there's only one woman left oh. to like, it's all to say that it's bonkers. That that's girl. the last, there's a final girl. And then 
it's just credits. Like, you never uh-huh. really get an explanation for what happened. You haven't really heard anyone speak a whole lot. <laughs> and it's just gone off the rails. Um, Love that. And I just... Sounds like a barrel of laughs. <laughs> it makes me just wonder, like, did they take this seriously yeah. when they were filming it? Yeah. Or does it, like... Was someone saying, well, th- well, would my character react this way to the aftershave? Or, like, how am I going to... Okay. Am I afraid of bats? Like, or were they laughing? And I really don't know. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's, and, like... Interesting. <laughs> the staging, too. The staging in these always looks like kind of bad community theater. Uh-huh. Like, everyone's just kind of in the same little jumble. Um, and I think you get some, some staging at the end of Woman in the House also feels like, like campy, ridiculous community theater. Okay. So I just saw like little, little connections, like the way that the blood looks whenever it pools looks very like f- purposefully fake or like, I don't know. I just, maybe I just wanted to talk about mystery science. Theater, yeah. But no, it's, no, no. It kind of, yeah. this is kind of reminding me of, have you heard of the movie Birdemic? Yes. Have you seen it? I've heard the, how did this get made about it? Oh, okay. It. So Birdemic yeah. is this movie that this guy just made like on his own time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like parts of it look like he literally like filmed it on on like an old cell phone. <laughs> like it's right. Yeah. Sure. And like the dialogue is super awkward. The plot yeah. is nonsensical. Um yeah. like the acting is really awkward. It's like uh, yeah, like just every single just like on like a filmmaking skill level, every single aspect of it is like objectively terrible, but right. it also has like this sincerity and this heart to it yeah. because like it's clear that this filmmaker like really loved making this film um, yeah. So, like, it's it's kind of fun to watch, even though it's really bad, because right. of that. But then what is really sad, I think, is that they made a Birdemic 2, and it was, like, intentionally bad. Oh. And it just isn't the... It's, it's like they're trying to make it, like, funny, you know, like, bad right. funny. And it just right. doesn't work because it has, like kind of this level of cynicism to it that just you know it's it's not the same but I feel like that's maybe maybe um this uh devil bat (laughs) was kind of like possibly skirting that line between right sincere and you know just doing this for laughs you know yeah absolutely i think and that sincerity of like almost like that christmas morning like look at all these cool things we can do with video now like (laughs) let's just let's just see what we can do yeah i i love that um i also think that that reminds me of kind of an important thing i think in satire and parody and pastiche is 
is you gotta like there's such a fine line between doing it to say something and doing it to be funny or to like without with kind of an unfounded reason behind it Mm -hmm. um i think you can which i think that's like i think that that's you know just parody just for the sake of poking fun at something i think can have value even if it doesn't have any kind of deeper you know deeper things to say about society or whatever i think that there is like especially if it's kind of like the first it's the first thing to parody this genre like there's and there's some there's some kind of like newness to it and um i think it's especially um effective when it kind of highlights um like the tropes or the commonalities between works in the same genre that people may not have noticed before um so i think that like parody you know, just surface level parody for its own sake, like can be like a legitimate um, and like valuable art form. Yeah. But I think like more to your point, like what you're saying about, you know, just parody that just is like just in it for, you know, like if there's no like genuine kind of um yeah. intention behind it where it's just going for cheap laughs yeah. um with no yeah i said yeah <laughs> i don't know if i'm I articulating think... this very effectively no. But... <laughs> no you definitely are um and i would absolutely agree sometimes like sometimes you just want to laugh you know mm-hmm. and it's it's funny and i think a big part of that distinction, at least, and I think it's like viewer to viewer, but for my money, it kind of comes down to the heart of the piece, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're parodying something to be funny, but you're also being mean about it, I yeah. don't think I'm going to be as into that. Like, Same. Yeah. Or if you're parodying something to be funny, and you're also, like, obviously in love with it, or you're lovingly saying, oh, that was really bad, huh? Like, that's, I think, some of the best stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you're being mean, like, don't be mean. I don't know. That's just... Yeah. Or if yeah. you're parodying something to try to be funny, but it doesn't end up yeah. being funny, then, like, yeah. what is even the point? <laughs> and it's kind of like that, that writing... Yeah. And... Is, yeah. <laughs> what? Sorry. Yeah. That I kind of petered off there. Um <laughs> I think it's kind of t- it's kind of that good advice for all writing is that you gotta kill your darlings. Yes, like, kill your darlings. You, yes. If it made you laugh, wonderful. But does it work? <laughs> you uh-huh. know, does it does it work here? Yeah. Kill your darlings, and also, uh, like, actually care about what you're doing. Yes, I yeah. think that's. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fine line because, like, if you care about about something, it's going to be harder to kill your darlings, right? Of course. Of so course. yeah, it's it's there's inherent risk in creating art. Um, but yeah, create like a like a a darling's graveyard, and maybe <laughs> it'll work somewhere else. Oh, but, yeah. Aaron. <gasps> yeah. 
Darling's Graveyard. <gasps> Love that. We need to use that for something. Copyright. I don't know what yet, but something. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, are we ready to wrap up for this week? Yeah, I could yeah. talk about this forever. I, I love this stuff. Yeah, it's great. Fun. Um, next yeah. week next week we're gonna talk about um some more topics. <laughs> <laughs> Some more topics that are literary and yeah. cinem, cinemat, cinema, c- c- cinematastic. 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 Cinematographic. Cinematographic. Cinemat. They're, they're you know cinnabon. what? I give up. We're going to cinema. Movie related. So- <laughs> yes. They are movie related. They're movie related. <laughs> yes. Movie and and literature related things that are yeah. gonna be fun because we love talking about those things. Um, yeah, yeah. So cut. So come back next week and we'll talk about them. And we'll talk about them, and we will. Devil Bat wasn't invited, <laughs> so you're safe. I won't put We're aftershave on you. <laughs> Or Birdemic. Zoo's gonna be so excited that I talked about Birdemic. Aw, <laughs> <Aww>, yeah! <laughs> it's like his favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Both ironically and unironically. Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, friends and enemies. Goodbye, my friends. And, Goodbye. And, and good idea. Friends and foes, fare thee well. Yes. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>